This is Pathfinder, a weekly moment dedicated to seeking Jesus and building deeper faith. My name is Derek Glover, and I'm a preacher serving the Church of Christ in Monroe, Wisconsin. I invite you to open your heart, mind, and Bible and study along today as we seek to know Jesus better through God's Word. Whether you've been a lifelong Christian or are simply curious, there's room for you here and room for us to grow together. There's a a passage in the book of James that causes me a great deal of difficulty sometimes. Um, James is challenging just on his own. Let's be fair. Um, Paul is easy. Paul talks a lot about grace and being justified by faith. I, I love Paul. I can handle that. But you get to James and he's saying things like, hey, you know, if you really do have faith, if you have a faith that saves, well, you ought to be living differently and acting differently then. James essentially says the faith that saves is a faith that obeys. A faith without works is dead. Now, he's not saying that we're saved by works. He's saying that we are justified by faith, saved by faith, but that if that faith in Jesus doesn't make you change the way you live, well, then you need to consider that maybe that faith isn't what you think it is. But at the end of his letter, he gives an encouragement here to to the audience to ask them to be mindful of their prayer life. And admittedly, I struggle with prayer. That's, That's a tough one for me. But here's what he says. Verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He he is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. This is a beautiful passage about the power of prayer and the importance of seeking God's counsel when we are hurting in a variety of ways, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and a promise that God will restore. Now, he may not always restore in the way that we think he will, but but he will. He will work in his way. This reminds me and encourages me that sometimes I hedge my bets when I pray. I pray for people to be restored to a measure of health. Well, why would I ask for a measure when I could ask for complete a complete restoration of health. Why do I hold back and just ask God to do a little when he's capable of doing a lot? As I reflect on that, I think perhaps it's because I need to hedge my bets a little because if God doesn't do what I'm asking him to do, well, I'm afraid my faith might suffer. I think we should pray boldly. I think we should be fearless in the face of our prayer and our prayers of faith because what I've come to learn is that true faith is not simply believing that God can do something. True faith is following him even when he doesn't, even when he chooses not to move the way we want him to. The fact of the matter is that if we got everything we asked for from God, well, he wouldn't really be God anymore, would he? Yeah, let's think about that as we read these next few verses here. In verse 16, he says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You know, we deal with confession in church. Different different faith backgrounds and faith traditions handle confession differently. Some might make it a part of their um, their their faith expression or their practice to regularly confess to a member of their clergy. Uh, Some religious tribes do public confessions uh, of sin and things of the like. And I think there's a place 
for a private confession to, to a minister, a pastor, or an elder, and a place for public confession when necessary. The acknowledgement of sin is important, but I think what we're dealing with here is the ability to stay in good spiritual shape and to be accountable. Um, and confessing our sins to one another keeps us in good spiritual shape. Um, we want to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, it says, so that you may be healed. Be in good spiritual shape so that you can take advantage of this great blessing of prayer. That's the key. Prayer is a great, great blessing that was purchased by the blood of Christ. The ability to talk to God was inhibited by our own humanity until Jesus came along. There was always a sacrifice of blood and an offering that had to take place in a prescribed manner in order for prayer to be offered up to God, to be heard by his people, until Christ came. And now you and I, individually, on our own, through the power of Christ, can talk to God. Isn't that amazing? What a wonderful blessing. The encouragement here from James is don't leave that blessing on the table. Don't undervalue. Don't miss out. Don't settle for less when it comes to that blessing by not being in good spiritual shape. So confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. And then this passage here at the end of verse 16 troubles me. A prayer of a righteous person when it is brought about can accomplish much. Ooh, can you think of why that might be a challenging verse? A prayer of a righteous person can accomplish much. Have you ever had a prayer that didn't get answered the way you wanted it to? Have you ever prayed for something that didn't happen? I have. Um, when I look in the book of uh, Kings, you see about a king named Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a great king. His father was terrible, but he was a great king. He tore down the altars to the false gods that his father had erected. He restored the people to God and to the law. But then Hezekiah got sick, and the prophet Isaiah comes to him and says, you're going to die. You need to get your affairs in order. I've been in the room with individuals who have been given that message, by the way. Get your affairs in order, you're going to die. And I've prayed hard for loved ones and friends, and people I care about who were sick, who were dying, who were given that terminal prognosis. I've prayed hard. I've prayed boldly. I've said to God, I know you can just get rid of this illness or, or this ailment. Just do it. I know you can. I believe you will. And it didn't happen. See, Hezekiah prayed to God, and he said, remember the things I've done. And God said, I, I will remember them, and I'm going to give you another 15 years on this earth. He healed him even after initially telling him he was going to die. I've had friends, family, and loved ones who've suffered the same thing, and they didn't get better. I've had friends whose parents in the last year have died from COVID. Um, they didn't get better. And I know that those people have had a lot of folks praying for them, good Christian people. And I read this verse and I go, well, was I not good enough? Am I not righteous enough? Were they not righteous enough for our prayer to be heard? I've thought that about this verse. Is James once again telling us that we have to be good enough and do enough good things for God to listen to us? Well, I don't believe that that's true. Because if it were, that would completely 
uh, reverse everything we understand about Jesus, and it would undo a great deal of the New Testament. Rather, what I understand this verse to be saying, in addition to extolling the blessings of prayer and the power of prayer and encouraging us to be in good spiritual shape so as to take advantage of that blessing, I also believe that this is a call to us to take advantage of the blessing of prayer. If this means that you have to be good enough for God to hear your prayer, if this is some call to moralism, that the more good deeds you do, the more God listens, then this is completely anti the gospel. Think about that. If I can tell God what to do just based on being good enough, if I, because of my good deeds, can cause God to move and to act, then he's not God anymore. We go back to the question we asked earlier. What does that mean if, if, if I get everything I ask for? Well, it means God is a spiritual vending machine and I'm in charge. I press a button and get what I want. That's not how God operates. He's the supreme ruler of the universe, Lord of lords. He is God. The prayer of a righteous man is the prayer of those who have been saved by the blood of Christ. Remember what Paul says, we are made righteous because of Jesus. Our faith in God, in Christ, makes us righteous. This is not the prayer of a righteous man as in the prayer of someone who is better than other people. This is the prayer of a righteous person because we are the righteous people, those who are called by God, those who humbly receive the gift of grace through Jesus Christ. The righteous have the power of prayer, and this is a call to be wise to use it, to not settle for less, to not leave this great blessing on the table. Take time today to pray. And if you struggle with prayer, let me give you just a, a tip. Here's something I've learned. I used to play baseball. I'm a big baseball fan. And there's an old adage, of course, things have changed in the world of analytics and statistics, but there's old-time baseball folks will tell you this. If you're in a slump, if you're at the plate, if your timing's off, if you're not hitting the ball, you're not seeing the ball, they'll tell you, here's a piece of advice. Get up there and lay down a bunt. Lay down a bunt. Hey, they, they, they might throw you out. Doesn't matter. You're not hitting. Get up there and time it. Lay down a bunt. It's easy to do. And it'll get you used to the timing of the baseball again. It'll remind you what it feels like to feel that ball hit off that bat. And so those old-time guys would advise their hitters when they were in a slump, get up there and bunt a couple times, and your swing comes back. And it managed to work. They still use that. I think when it comes to prayer, if you're striking out, if you're struggling, you need to lay down a bunt. So here's what you should do. Set a timer on your phone. It's easy to do now. Set a timer. Time yourself and say, today, I'm going to pray for 30 seconds. You can set a little alarm actually, throughout the day. Maybe you'll do it every hour. Maybe you'll do it every three hours. Whatever. Set yourself a time interval and a time limit and say, I'm just going to pray for 30 seconds. And I'm not going to worry about what it sounds like or doing it right. I'm just going to talk to God for 30 seconds. Get yourself in the habit of talking to God. And then That's all the time we have this week for Pathfinder. I hope you have found it to be an enjoyable and uplifting experience. Maybe something that's caused you to think about some things you hadn't before and maybe give you reason to open your Bible and get into the Word a little deeper.
If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to me through the Monroe Church of Christ website, monroechurchofchrist.org. You'll find contact information there, as well as previous episodes of Pathfinder that you can listen to at your convenience. If you're in the Monroe area, we certainly hope you would come and get to know us in person. You can find our meeting times and location on that website uh, also, and we hope we get to meet you in the future. Until next time, I'm Derek Glover. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you, and may he give you peace.